apologize for this interruption. Unfortunately, a technical problem prevents us continuing our scheduled program for the moment. In the meantime, we bring you a brief alternative program. Thank you for your pina colada rendition of our theme, Robert Holmes, and welcome to the episode that is Champagne Comedy Podcast, Episode 8, where we talk about the best Australian comedy show from the 90s ever made, The Late Show and other degeneration tidbits. My name is Matt, and welcome to the show, Alison, Daniel, Kim, and Prue. Hey. Hello. Hello. Wow, so we have one who's come out of lockdown and one that's currently in lockdown. Yeah. Uh, it was such a, a, a traumatic experience. Um, three days. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's like the killing fields, isn't it? <laughs> as long as you don't go anywhere near fast food, you're fine. So, how are things in general for everyone? Everyone's nice, perky, happy, and right, ready to re- talk about another episode of the Late Show. Oh, of yes. Excellent. Yes. I, t- I tell you what, I, I am so excited, and not just because it's I had a couple of delicious uh, Diogo Maradonats uh, a few minutes ago. <laughs> of course, yes. With uh, how, how is that for a really obscure uh, Working Dog Universe reference? You know what? I don't know yeah, whether that timely. needs a uh, badum chush or a, an applause, but I'll go with nice one. Yeah, I've... I've uh, I've also got a, a drink of choice. I don't know whether you can see it on the webcam, but uh, oh my god, a Farmers Union iced coffee with a uh, cherry ripe sticking out. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, in commemoration of uh, Richard Marsland, of course. I have cheated a bit. It is a no sugar added iced coffee, but it's still Farmers Union, so technically it counts. I hope everybody um, tweets a hashtag I'm Richard. Um, on December the 6th. Now, before we get into episode 8 of The Late Show, uh, we have a little bit of feedback, and in regards to the previous episode, and guess what? This is not a Warnicky or Fidgen. Thank goodness for that. (laughs) (laughs) So keen on playing a soundbite as well. So, uh, listener Matthew Ryan thanks us. uh, He loves the podcast. And in regards to the previous episode, episode 7, to Mick and Tony's early stand-up sketch, he it was mentioned that uh, you could only see Mick in the fire truck part and not Tony. On the commentary track of uh, the Best Bits DVD, uh, Mick states that he was around Michael Hirsch's place and he heard the fire truck sirens going off about two streets away. So they hopped in their car, drove around and filmed it. And then when there was, when, when the Tony was not with Mick at the time, hence why you only see Mick. So. That's the reason why Tony was missing from that. It was just on the spur moment, little, I guess, improv with the firefighters. Yeah, it's it's good when they're they're able to be uh, nimble like that. Um, yeah, when you've just got a camcorder, you can pretty much do anything at the drop of a hat. And that was kind of what we suspected, wasn't it, when we talked about this last time? Mm. Mm. Now, this episode of The Late Show that we're about to get into is, to me, is very, I guess, would it be culturally sensitive or a very heavy product of its time? There are some effects that are, yeah. Yeah, even though we've hinted at previous episodes where there have been the odd thing, this one, yeah, it's very, very sensitive. So um, we'll do our best to keep it respectable and, yeah, understand that 
there was no harm behind it or anything like that. It was just 100% a product of its time. So if it was done yeah. today, it would be totally different. So in that regards, I might as well do, you know, I've got a little warning. Warning. This is an adults-only program. Not, I repeat, not Australia's funniest home video show. Oh, that shouldn't have gone in there. <laughs> <laughs> but, yes, the, the reason why we're playing a little bit of Doug Mulray stuff is because later on in the episode we'll find out it was the week of Australia's naughtiest home videos that famously got pulled off the air. Oh, uh, yeah, two days prior, so it's amazing how much they were able to turn around. Quite a, quite a fair bit of comment uh, on, on the episode. So... Here is Season 1, Episode 8 of The Late Show, which was broadcast on Saturday, September 5th, 1992. Now, Daniel, do you have the TV guide at all? Uh, yes, I do. So uh, we also have a very quick uh, Warnicky review. Oh, so we actually do have a Warnicky. There we go. Because he, he, he managed to slip a little bit in his uh, column in the Green Guide the Thursday prior. It was actually in reference to a bit of Fry and Laurie, which um, had just started. Uh, on the ABC on Mondays at 9.30. So Warnicky said, uh, in the end, a bit of Fry and Laurie was as funny as DJ and the Late Show, the only TV comedy series in which the two-minute toilet break in the middle is the highlight of the show. So what so, is saying Fry and Laurie was bad? God, this guy's a clanger. He's, he's, really, <laughs> he's really getting it wrong. Oh, no idea. I'm trying to remember which series it would have been of, uh, of Fry and Laurie because they started in, in the late 80s. one. Yeah, but I feel like the ABC got it so late, like at least three years late. Because I remember getting really into it in year 11 and year 12, so it was like the first we'd ever seen of it. That's a so really that. strange comment, actually, because the, the first series of uh, the first couple of series of Fry and Laurie are really brilliant, and then after that it does sort of go slightly downhill in terms of quality. But if you don't like the first series of Fry and Laurie, you've got problems. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Print that. <laughs> Warnicky. <laughs> Warnicky. So uh, Warnicky is going to be well pleased because there is a toilet break in uh, tonight's episode. And uh, what a toilet break it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do we know why um, this episode started at 9.30? Because uh, of stomping ground. Yeah, I was, I was just going to say, like, usually I finish with the ABC, but I think I'll, I'll start with them. After the late show... Uh, which this week is at 9.30. At 10.30, we've got Stompham Ground 1992. And it is Stompham Ground. It's not Stompham Ground or Stompham Ground. It's Stompham Ground. And it's the Kimberley Aboriginal Music and Cultural Festival. Now, this uh, took place uh, during NAIDOC week in 1992, 98, 2000 and 2002. And it basically, it's... Uh, came about because uh, the managing director at the time, David Hill, was uh, visiting the Kimberley region to mark the official handing over of various ABC transmitters uh, to Aboriginal communities. They wanted to offer something in return, and the idea of telecasting an uh, Indigenous uh, music festival was born. According to one review, quote, a more colourful but unsubstantiated anecdote now circulating the Kimberley about Mr Hill's discovery of Aboriginal musical, ta- musical talent has the ABC's top man saying, quote, stuff the opera, this is the real thing. I just quite like that. So, um, uh, yeah, host Ernie Dingo presents uh, Warrumpy Band, Titters, Brand New Day, Scrap Metal, Kev Carmody, Yothu Yindi, Fitzroy Express and Coloured Stone. Um, it was also simulcast with Triple J and ABC Regional Radio. 
And yeah, it went all through the night from 10.30 at night through to 5.30 in the morning when Rage took over with their top 60. And yeah, because The Late Show is on earlier uh, in the evening, it means that their lead-in is a program that we don't usually get to talk about. At 8.30, we've got The Bill, the uh, British drama series set in a police station in London's East End. So every Saturday at 8.30, there'd be a double episode. So uh, they had season eight, episode 18. PC Smollett has worked hard to make the new community police station a success, but there are others who want it closed permanently. Uh, And then the second episode, uh, season eight, episode 19, PC Smollett's contact leads him to a firebombing culprit. Um, slight spoiler alert, I think the new community police station might have been firebombed. Ooh. Intrigue. So everything else is pretty much movies. On Channel 7, we've got Ruthless People from 1986, starring Bette Midler and Danny DeVito. A man who was planning to murder his obnoxious wife is overjoyed when he discovers she's been kidnapped. Uh, on Channel 9, uh, Hey Hey had Southern Sons, Glenn Fry, James Rain, Daryl Braithwaite and The Screaming Jets. Uh, and that was followed by a 1972 Western called Jeremiah Johnson, uh, starring Robert Redford and Will Gear. The story of a simple mountain man who became a legend, uh, directed by Sidney Pollack. Uh, then over on 10, we've got a 1984 science fiction fantasy called Starman, directed by John Carpenter. Uh, assuming the form of her late husband, an alien forces a young widow to drive him cross-country so he can one day be with a spaceship. I don't actually re- remember this one too uh, too well, but it's sort of like a science fiction romance from memory. Is that correct? Possibly. But I was going to mention before you move on, that Jeremiah Johnson movie is the one with Robert Redford with the meme looking very hairy on the face. You know, where he gets mistaken for Zach Galifianakis? Like somebody that's talking right now. Well, <laughs> <laughs> if you Google Jeremiah Johnson, Robert Redford, you'll see the image that I'm talking about. So that's the really common one where he's... Turns to the side and nods his head and smiles. Gosh, see, Robert see, Redford. He's yeah. so podgy in that. Oh, well, yeah, he is He is podgy, isn't he? He yeah. looks like Bill Oddie. <laughs> he does. He looks like an American Bill Oddie. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Last of all, on SBS, um, we've got a 1957 Ingmar Bergman film called Wild Strawberries uh, from Sweden, uh, starring Victor Sjostrom and Ingrid Thulin. An elderly professor recalls the disappointments of his life. Fun for the family there. <laughs> Sounds <laughs> illuminating. All, all, all Swedish films have that plot. <laughs> <laughs> well, the start of The Late Show, which was on at 9.30, opened with a very cold introduction, which brings us to this little teaser. You watch out, Which uh, I believe Channel 10 might have been playing it at the time where Jeremy Beadle, the UK comedian, was doing his own version of Candid Camera. But it was very violent, which is why, <laughs> which is why this uh, sketch is quite funny. Well, I bet he wasn't expecting that. <laughs> I, I had a word to my other half who, who's British and I said to him, tell me all you remember about Beatles about... And he said that often the pranks on the show would be quite mean. Like he remembers one where there was a guy and he was like a plumber or something and and they made it look as if they tipped this this guy's plumbing van into the local harbour. And so the, the guy sees his van going into the harbour and he just absolutely freaks out. 
and starts panicking. And then Jeremy Beadle goes, oh, hang on, don't worry. We haven't put your car into the harbour at all. And then they point into the camera and they go, it's Beatles about or something like this. And, you know, you sort of think, okay, that's kind of funny, but actually, isn't that really, really mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I, I also looked up a few online and there's one of a, a guy who's trying to sell this porter cabin and it and it just smashes, it just falls down and the look on his face is just so shocking. He's just like, oh, my yeah. God, I've just lost this. And then, yeah, a couple of minutes later, hey, it's Beetle, I'm a prick. <laughs> apparently they also did one where um they convinced this woman that aliens had arrived in her back garden and and she really she really thought that there were aliens and then then there was the reveal with jeremy beadle and everything but but yeah that that was the show it was it was pretty mean and it, it really sort of played on things that would make people genuinely upset. So, yeah. yeah. Like a candid camera was a bit more gentle, I feel. <laughs> I don't know. This was, yeah. I mean, it was still mean, but this was really, yeah. <laughs> yeah no wonder so, they had to yeah. do that sketch and really call him out for being a prick. <laughs> yeah. This, this is something that, um, you know, always sort of rankles me about prank shows and pranks in general is that most of the time I seem to side with the victim having to get stuffed about like this. Yeah, mm. yeah. It just it makes me frustrated sometimes. Pranks and and back in the day gotcha calls. Yeah, oh, gotcha calls. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I feel Mr. like about um, didn't last very long on Australian TV. It must have just rated badly. It was like maybe one series or something. Does anyone remember yeah, it? It did failing. It went for ten years in the UK. But, yeah, I don't think it really lasted in Australia for that long. And he passed away in 2008. Or did he? Yeah. <laughs> he just emerges with a camera going, oh, look, see, I'm not dead. Is it another prank? <laughs> well, <laughs> well, I we were expecting that, yeah. yeah. See, in keeping with his wishes, the, the coffin should have gone into the harbour or something. <laughs> <laughs> After that, we had the opening titles and the opening remarks with Mick and Tony saying that the Late Show had started at 9.30 due to Stompen, Ian, ground, starting at 10.30. <laughs> and Tony looking a bit nervous because he was uh, storing the unwanted toxic waste for a week as it goes around the world because, you know, the boat that nobody wants. What a horrible news story. Like, what were they doing in the 90s, just shipping around toxic waste? Like, my goodness. Isn't it shoveled in the middle of Australia right now? Like Yeah, down. probably. That's the problem with toxic waste. No one wants to take it, so it, it sort of it does get shipped around quite a lot. Speaking of toxic a- waste, that shirt that Mick Malloy was wearing was absolutely hideous. It, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it looked like a nuclear holocaust. The thing is, even by the standards of the 90s, the, the stuff that the Late Show men wear in particular is, is dreadful because, you know, they've obviously got a budget of about five bucks each. So they sort of have to go to, like, Target or somewhere and get the cheapest stuff they can. I feel like that, though, was probably high fashion on Chapel Street in South Yarra. <laughs> we don't fully appreciate it. <laughs> Other than really bad fashion sense, there was bad TV and Australia's naughtiest home videos was taken off the air. And Tony describes Kerry Parker having a few mates over, bragging how he owns a TV station, turns it on to show it off, and he sees donkey's dicks. <laughs> donkey's <Yeah>. dicks. <laughs> so there. did you actually watch it when it was on? I'm pretty sure I, I was watching it when it all happened. <laughs> 
Yep, I remember it because I <laughs> apparently with all the other stations around Australia, uh, because I was watching it with the Sydney stream and the actual ending where it was cut off is on YouTube. So someone's dodgy VHS copy uh, of the announcer cutting in and saying we apologise for the transmission, as you heard at the start of the show. That one exists and other stations... Um, I think Victoria or South Australia or Western Australia, their ones were, you know, they had an ad break and then it went straight into Cheers. So everyone copped an episode of Cheers straight after that. So they got a bit of Ted Danson. What would you rather have? Cheers. Yeah. It's a tough call, isn't it? Uh, I wonder what jumper uh, Ted Danson was wearing in that episode. <laughs> yeah. So, and yeah, Mick and Tony had submitted their own videos, but they didn't get in. You know, Mick's dog didn't take a dump on the pole. Uh, people walking by in the street, but they weren't naked. Mick's uncle Des, quotation marks, are uh, in the car with. Uh, he he didn't get in because he didn't have a condom on his head, and a woman w- walking across the street. Oh, there was no boobs popping out. Those sort of things did actually happen on the Nordic Zone videos. Uh, if you look hard enough on the internet, um, you'll find so the. Uh, well, <laughs> you see, uh, Australia's Nordic Zone videos eventually aired in two thousand and eight. It was up against the. Beijing Olympics on Channel 7, so Channel 9 were desperate. Yeah, all of that sort of stuff definitely happened. Like Australia's Naughtiest Home Video seems to crop up a hell of a lot in this episode, and, and rightly so. I mean, this is this is an infamous episode in, in Australian TV history. Well, we'll skip to the news desk with Tommy G, and straight up, you have the Fijian Prime Minister arriving in Australia to traditional red carpet welcome, and they show footage of a Twister floor mat. Lebanon <laughs> residents uh, perfects the Middle East's first full-functioning mobile phone, and it shows a footage of a car with a speaker on its roof, a la Blues Brothers style. The Australian Army gives up on a... Pl- oh, sorry, this one's sexist. Uh, Australian Army gives up on a plan to train women as tank drivers, and it shows a bit of tank footage, and even Tommy says he swears it's not sexist. Pretty pissy, but not sexist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bloody women tank drivers. And then we have George Bush announcing heavy subs... subs oh, I can never say that word. <laughs> subsidies. There we go. I had that problem last time as well. So, um, yeah, subsidies are for US wheat farmers, outraging Australian farmers. Now, while meeting in the public, uh, he meets the son of an Australian farmer and the camera shows a T-shirt of a kid saying, Bush sucks. So a typical <laughs> D-Gen news visual joke there. Is yeah. it like the Queen with Die Your Old Bag? Die Your Old Bag, Queen Mum. Yeah. Oh, B- Bush sucks is a lot tamer than, than wanting somebody to die. Yeah. yeah. We can all agree. Now, Compass Airlines returns to the air. Now, there's an obscure plane business, that's for sure. I didn't even, <laughs> wasn't even aware of this one, and Compass only lasted three years. So... Cabin staff were accused of being overly aggressive and this was brought to the attention after they ejected six passengers mid-flight and they showed footage of an army plane jettisoning, you know, soldiers and flares <laughs> from the sky. <laughs> so it was a great visual joke. Did anyone fly compass here? No. I do vaguely remember getting some sort of souvenir or something that you get in the plane, like a pack of peanuts or something like that. So I do have vague memories, but they did not last long. There were a couple of iterations of it. There was Mark 1, and then they went out of business after about a year. And then a couple of years later, someone, some shonky fraudsters ended up uh, going to jail over over this uh, over the Mark 2, and they ended up basically false accounting to the tune of about 10 or $11 million dollars. 
and oh you know, the guy God. the guy actually went to jail for about 10 years. I don't really think many people flew Compass because this is back in the day when everyone caught the train to Sydney, you know. They weren't catching <laughs> planes across the country back then. That was fancy. The, yeah. the other thing with Compass Airlines is that um, they, they never got a proper a sort of place in the terminal. So I don't know about any, any other airport, but Adelaide Airport, they basically ran out of a shed, which was slightly... <laughs> Slightly down from the main domestic terminal at the time. Anyone who remembers the old domestic terminal at Adelaide, there's a kind of row of sheds and, and hangers next to it, and it was in one of those sheds, I remember. Up we have, in going to Canberra, and Dr John Hewson attacks. Now, this is very... Uh, Dr John Hewson attacks Japanese practices over trade, and he says it's time all the Japanese should get out of Australia. Now, this is a product of its time. And then <laughs> muttered something about, yeah, I'm not even going to say what he said. Yeah, well, look, let's, let's just say that time he puts an epithet into Houston's mouth. Let's put it that way. Yep. Mm. And then when he, before he hopped into a cab, and, and then there's a cliche, stereotypical Japanese driver. I've just got written in my notes down the page, dodgy much? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Have you got that, those, those several words, um, on, on your notes quite a lot? Because, you know, there's, there's an awful lot of um, on-the-nose racial material in this episode. <laughs> yep. Yeah, like particularly Graham and the Colonel when we get there. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I, I don't think say... on that. <laughs> no, great. <laughs> Yeah, I'd, I'd say there's there's a few jokes in relation to um, stomping ground coming uh, coming up after the broadcast. Yeah. That um, there's probably only one that I like, and the rest are pretty dodgy. But uh, we'll get to those when we get to them. So the next part is the Sydney Harbour Tunnel opened, hooray! And but the road surface began breaking up, and the engineer Rob is outraged and cue all the dysfunctional office apparel falling apart, not working. And Rob making up excuses until he puts, you know, when the hole ends up in the wall, it's like, oh, I can get you that coffee now. So it's great visual props from Rob. Yeah, I love this sketch. I love that. It's very utopia, actually. But it is, isn't I it? Wish uto- mm. I wish utopia had these kind of stunt gags. I think it would be a 100% better show. But, like... Oh, yeah. I, yeah, think, I think there's, there's also... I can get you the coffee now. That's hilarious. I think there's also a tiny bit of thank God you're here in it in that it's trying to bullshit your way out of the scenario. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> After that, uh, we have the air exclusion zone over Iraq uh, continues with the RAF pilot X-ray footage showing airfields, ammunition factories, as well as a defiant Saddam Hussein. And Q Alf Camilleri doing an up yours to the camera. Yay! And and not smiling either, which just adds that little extra oomph to it. So we have Channel 9, who was embarrassed after Australia's Naughty's Home videos uh, was pulled off air during the broadcast. An apology has been issued and the spokesperson speaking to camera until a forced dog, Charlie, was humping his leg. So <laughs> yeah. that was Rob doing the apology as well. Yeah. I did like um, Tommy G's little aside, which is, you know, this hypocrisy of um, the naughtiest home videos. And then he goes, as opposed to the usual young children being injured. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, which which is yeah. worse, these, these weird little videos or kids getting, a you know, a ladder in the face or whatever. Exactly. The other aside that, that he does right after that, just saying, it rates. Mm. Again, mm. very, very true. That tells you a lot about why they put it on in the first place, doesn't it? You know, and, and it was... 
a lot of the newspaper articles at the time also referenced that Sophie Lee show Sex and how that was controversial, except that, you know, loads of people watched it. So they knew what they were doing down at nine. People were really hard up for porn back then, weren't they? I remember my, <laughs> I remember my grandfather used to watching those SBS uh, movies, like, just for the full frontal nudity. Like, just <laughs> Oh, yes, it was a simpler time back in our day. It wasn't... <laughs> back in those pre-internet times. Before the era of Pornhub. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Top ten programs. Now, this might be Sydney-specific, but... You have National Nine News. Sunday was at seven hundred and sixty-five thousand four hundred. Murphy Brown seven hundred fifty-five thousand three hundred. National Nine News on Saturday was seven hundred and twenty-one thousand two hundred. Then Australia's naughtiest home video show was at seven hundred thousand. Wow, good lord! I do wonder how how many of that seven hundred thousand three hundred were just watching Channel Nine, just waiting for the show to return, or just wondering what the hell was going to happen next and having to sit through that bloody Cheers episode. <laughs> I've just noticed the regular Funniest Home Video Show is at number six. Yes. Six, 672,000. So mm. the, the, the naughtiest one-off variant outrated the regular show. Tell you what, you'd be disappointed if you tuned in for like the, the light pornography of Australia's naughtiest home video shows and you ended up with Ted dancing oh. on Cheers. Yeah. <laughs> So the next bit is uh, Tommy G announces that they're soon crossing the broom for the Stompin Ground Festival. <laughs> You're going to pronounce it like that every time, aren't you, Matt? <laughs> oh, am I saying it wrong? <laughs> just, just for Daniel the Pedit, yes. yes. And ABC... <laughs> <laughs> we, we, need, we need someone that goes, Pedit! We need a... <laughs> right, done. Pedantry! <laughs> <laughs> And I'll cut that there, grab the like audio. Else. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> it does, does it? Ah, <laughs> uh, fun times. Uh, now the ABC says it's their chance to show a side of black Australians that breaks free from traditional stereotypes, and I'm just going to skip to the rest of it until uh, you see a really bad cover of The Seekers. I'm not going to say that. Oh no, I think I think I think we can we can mention this. I mean, basically, they say that Stomping Ground, um, you know, is you know like has a lofty ambition, and then they cut straight to footage of what is essentially like a minstrel show, sort of a number from the seventies. Yeah, I mean, my yeah, jaw was just hanging open. Like, I mean, yeah. I guess they were trying to sort of point out the fact that this was once on TV, not in the too distant past, but... And, so, yeah, and sort of point out the, 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 the hypocrisy, yeah. Mm, Breaking yeah. down ethnic barriers and holding up a mirror to multicultural society. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, I, I get the point they're making by showing the, the minstrel footage, and they show a bit of minstrel footage a, a, later on in the episode as well, but you, you just sit there going, I can't laugh at this, no. you know. No. You, yeah. you, you can sort of laugh at the idea of an Aboriginal group being forced to play Georgie Girl, which is probably the whitest song in the world. Yes. Um, <laughs> exactly what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah I mean, but, that's, that's, the, that's the only joke I like out of the ones about Stomp and Grant, really, because, yeah, yeah, I mean, it is, you know, like, if, if we're... I, I don't want to deconstruct the joke too much, but, yeah, the thought of an Indigenous group, yeah, playing, you're right, it is pretty much the whitest song that they could perform, is is a solid joke. It's one that the audience can feel good about at laughing at, whereas, you know, you just you can't laugh at the idea of Black and White Minstrel Show. It's just horrible. 
Now, the sport and the 1992 Paralympics opens in Barcelona. Barcelona. To keep with the disability theme, um, yeah, the uniform was designed by someone who doesn't have taste. I'll put it that way. Oh, my God. Like, talk about a terrible joke followed up by another terrible joke. (laughs) Get them all out of the way. A terrible joke followed by a terrible joke about a terrible shirt. It it was a pretty terrible shirt, to be fair. (laughs) It was, wasn't it? Nick Malloy, though. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I don't know. They're they're sort of neck and neck, those two shirts. And in royal yeah. news, a poll shows 75% of the British public are dissatisfied with the royals. And Prince Charles, Tony, chats to Tommy G. And he's listed the people of Great Britain in order of popularity. And guess who is the most hated? Prince Edward. Monarchy. An unemployed gas fisher from Birmingham. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Jeremy Beadle came in third. And Jeremy Beadle. Yes. How good is Tony as Charles? Tony's always be- so great yeah. as Prince Charles. I think he could be in the crown. He's got a down pat, doesn't he? Of oh, darling, I've miniaturised the children. Watching, <laughs> <laughs> and and it, it's funny to say. I think I've seen her photo on a biscuit tin. We've never been formally introduced. I think she was next to me at my wedding. I'm not, not too sure. <laughs> Was this the Queen's uh, horrible anus year? Yeah, it was. Anus Yeah. Oh, you're splitting hairs. Yeah, Daniel, splitting hairs. <laughs> I'm, try- I'm, I'm trying not to be as much of a pedant, but um, <laughs> I don't know. It, it, it depends on, on how many stomp and grounds we get. Hey, I can't even say subsidies properly. <laughs> You just did. Yeah, I know, because I concentrated and thought about it. <laughs> All right, now the next sketch is a pathetic island, which is located in Queensland, and you have a case of dysentery, typhoid, cholera, and beach volleyball in pathetic island. I love this thing. It's like... Uh... One of the crappiest beaches in Melbourne where all the seaweed is up on the shore. <laughs> and there's this scene of Tommy G walking over broken glass and it looks real. <laughs> I'm thinking, yeah. did he really walk on broken glass? And use syringes. I wonder if that was actually there. Probably maybe not that. <laughs> you never know. Was it St Kilda or somewhere? St Kilda's sometimes nicer than that, but, yeah, shitty. Yeah, they just turned up with props and then they realised, oh, we don't need any. <laughs> yeah, just just film a Melbourne beach on a Melbourne weather day. There's yeah. so much to do on Pathetic Island, such as uh, phone the manager to complain on a telecom payphone. That's fantastic. The, phone the travel agent to sue and phone the Poisons Information Centre. <laughs> and then realise the phone doesn't work. work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Also, this I didn't is believe like, that the um, rate per night was only $50. I'm like, bargain. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah. 
this is basically this week world goes on holiday isn't it which um you know is, is it's the same concept really as the this week world sketches but it's good fun i like this i've also got a feeling like it might have been one of a uh, few we've uncovered listening to the radio sketches tweeted out by classic underscore djin how good are they Shout out to them. Yeah, there was one last week which I tweeted about. They got retweeted by um, at TLS Champagne, yeah, which was a radio script which was later adapted to t- to TV. And I've got a feeling like Pathetic Island, maybe the Piss Week World ones, might have been adapted from radio as well. They're very word-heavy, voiceover-heavy. Mm-hmm. Certainly the visuals add a bit more, but you could just listen to it and get the same enjoyment out of it. But make sure you don't swim the, with the dolphins. You can swim in the sewage instead. <laughs> And also, box jellyfish lasts all year. So enjoy your time on Pathetic Island. Now, because it was in September, there was Father's Day. And Jane breaks down, quote, the day after, unquote, with the guys. And everyone's sitting on the lounges with their cardigans. And, this and is a very prop-heavy as well. well, here's the list of what the Father's Day gifts were that were going to be thrown into the bin. You have soap on a rope, drink coasters, a cheap wallet... Brute products, Old Spice, Argyle socks, oh, they're classy, and uh, car accessories such as a steering wheel cover, a chamois dashboard fan, and uh, credit to Mick for showing how dodgy that dashboard fan was, and jumper leads, a tyre gauge, a book by uh, Max Walker, any book by Max Walker, and bar accessories. And so you burn it all and turn it into a barbecue. If only we had the gear. Yeah. Right. How, how bad were gifts in the in the 90s? Father's Day gifts are really bad back then. But I like how they lead into all of these things. It's just uh, one by one. It just gets worse and worse. It's like, oh, bring out your brute, bring out your old, old spice, and then the tyre pressure gauge is one for every wheel. <laughs> I think I gave my dad most of those things from that list. And (laughs) he was actually okay with the brute products and the and the old spice. Not not so much the soap on the rope. Um I never gave him Max Walker books because, you know, I care. Um, (laughs) The amount of soap on the ropes that I got my parents for Mother's Day and Father's Day that I bought at a primary school stall. (laughs) What what was was the deal with soap on on a rope in the 80s? It it seemed to be a very practical thing. They're probably made by prisoners or something. (laughs) (laughs) Prisoners in North Korea having to slave over soap on a rope all day. (laughs) What do you remember? um, Sketch was Jane trying to light the fire. Did you see that? It It was a bit hairy. Like she was trying yeah. to catch the match on fire, and the and Tom is just going, just do it, do it quickly, <laughs> and then Rob <laughs> goes, what what are you gonna do? Like trying to sort of <laughs> I think the the way that the the props were set up is that I think there's some sort of like a gas ring around the top of the bin, so that yeah. it looks like there's a fire coming out of the the bin, but none of the stuff that's been put inside is actually getting burnt. Oh, so, so they didn't really burn the Max Walker mm, books. What a shame! I, yeah, I, I think again, again, another Aaron Bocare specialty there. Yeah, you see, you see where she lights it. it. It's in a really odd position, like at the front of the barrel. So that would tie yeah. in with your theory. So the next segment being. Mud! <laughs> hey, the olden days, episode eight, no singing allowed, and we have two guest stars on the olden days: Les Gok as young Confucius. 
and the Captain and Tennille as themselves. Hey. Yeah, this is the first variation we have in the opening credits as well, yeah. The plot of this was that people are tired of the old Mud Boys Mud theme song, so Front Bottom refuses to change it because it was written by Ted Maury. And, man, there was some Ted Maury ribbings in this, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. And uh, the Mud Diggers decide to write their own theme, and Sergeant Alden steps in to stop Mr Minogue from performing it. So, Is there any relationship between Doug Mulray and Ted Mulray? Are they brothers? No, he, they're just good mates. Um, and he okay. actually performed the theme song to Australia's Naughty's Home Videos. Oh. Ted Mulray. Okay. There's a, a line in, in here I, I quite like, uh, which is that they, they, uh, when they want a new thing, they want something you can dance to like Glenview High or Class of 74. <laughs> I don't know how Glenview High goes, but uh, Class of 74 was uh, sung by Doug Parkinson from memory. My favourite line in this episode is, it's a lie, it's a damn stinking lie. <laughs> <laughs> All the lip syncing in this, in this episode seems particularly spot on. I don't know if I'm just being, you know, biased because I like it, but <laughs> it just it really seems like, wow, that's exactly what they just said. <laughs> so how do you plead and the not guilty are obviously word for word what the original actors said in Rush. Yeah. yeah. It's like Although, the bit in Barjas where the, the your place or mine line in Barjas, which is what they actually said in the show. Although I'm, I'm, I'm wondering whether what was said during uh, the, the takeoff of the love boat thing, whether that guy in the background that Rob's impersonating really said, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. The mud fields. Thank you. I was wondering when someone... Exciting <laughs> and new. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Off-key singing oh. is still a hanging offence in these parts. <laughs> <laughs> God, scuffle awkwardly with that man. That's right, that's when the the courtroom cliches. One of my favourite liners in this part when they're in the courtroom was the part where Mutton Chops agrees with the lyrics are bad and it's better than that Ted Mulvery crap currently. (laughs) And then, (laughs) uh, quote, Santo yells out, hey, I like Ted (laughs) Mulvery. I remember watching that um, live on TV and... I could not stop laughing because that was just one of those liners that you just it just catches you off guard. <laughs> yeah, you weren't you weren't expecting such a uh, yeah such a state courtroom scene to have such a out of place line like that. Poor Mister Minogue was sentenced to a role in Holiday Island, not Pathetic Island, Holiday Island. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the next segment is muckraking, and Jason Mick have a black armband on their arm over the loss of Naughtiest Home Videos. Then they play some highlights, and when they played those highlights, quote, Kerry Packer, unquote, calls to take it off air, and Mick tells him to blow it out his ass. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because they're on Channel 2. I love that that name, Channel 2. Me like, too. Like, I, I want to I reclaim it because, like, all, all I think of when I hear Channel 2 now is that Paul Murray uses it as an epithet uh, whenever he's against the ABC. But, you know, Channel 2, it's something you should be proud of. Yeah. Remember yeah. in school we used to say Doctor Who on Channel 2? <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was the only one that, well, our schoolmates would used to say that anyway. Did it follow with did a poo? I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> that was something else. <laughs> you, Kim. 
There's a line in this muckraking which I, I need to draw people's attention to, which is Mick's talking about Sophie Lee and he wishes her parents had practiced safe sex, which, of course, yeah. is a reference to the sex show. But, you know, knowing what we know about him and Sophie Lee, that that's a strange comment, isn't it? Oh. <laughs> yeah, they were, they were all together later in the decade, yeah. Yeah, as evidence yeah. in the Martin Malloy albums. You'll see uh, yep. as a shout out thanks to Sophie Lee in the little font. Yeah, it wasn't that much. Yeah, it wasn't that much after he was talking about it because I remember we were talking about it in school, like a couple of years later. So, yeah, yeah. Well, I was going to say if this is going a little bit slightly off topic, but it's in regards to Doug. You'd think that with the Naughty's Home videos, they would have learnt that lesson with Doug because last or the year before in 1991, he did actually host the midday show with Ray Martin, well, when Ray was a boss. Now, I I may censor this later, but I'm going to play the full clip. So if it's censored, that's because the jury has decided it's quite offensive. So have a listen to this. You think that Kerry Packer would have learned his lesson with this. Well, we've had a huge response to Monday's show with thousands of calls and letters coming in, but Channel 9's decided to let me back on anyway. Uh, Today I'll be talking to Leslie Nielsen, who's an American with a sense of humour. A lovely change from Hall and Oates. <laughs> Ooh, they were a bit offended by my Negro joke, I'm afraid. If I'd known they were so sensitive, I would have done the one about the half Negro, half Japanese. Mm. Did you hear about the half Negro, half Japanese? Oh! Every December 7th, he attacked Pearl Bailey. Oh, my God. Oh. Two ethnic groups for the price of one. I'll just check... Excuse me, I'll just check and see if I'm still on. Am I still on? Good. <laughs> Now, <laughs> that, that was less offensive than I thought it would be. Like the punchline, it could have been a lot worse. That punchline. Yeah. You get the impression that um, Doug Mulray was one of those sorts of people who would really crack Kerry Packer up. Like they would have their long liquid lunches, and Kerry would be bent over laughing at someone like Doug. You know, because I just don't get it. Like why? I was always mystified by Channel 9 back then, and I just think, why was that guy on that show telling jokes like that, you know? There's a certain, there's a, there's a really nasty streak in a lot of Channel 9 program, which which is basically, it, it's kind of, it's being mean to the public in that sort of slightly Jeremy Beadle way of, of you know, pranks and and, but also, like, you know, yeah, we've got the right to be racially offensive, you know, as, as we saw with, with you know, Hey, Hey, It's Saturday and, and, and the Blackface Act, you know, and, and they, they just feel that it's their God-given right to be mean and racist, a lot of Channel 9 programming. And, and Doug yeah. Mulray, he, he, was, he was sort of one of those people in that group, really, wasn't he? Yeah, and t- just Channel 9 had so much power because they rated. So. Yeah. They did have uh, Doug or quote Doug on the phone, and it was just Tony pretty much doing Doug and coming up with all the really dirty cliches. The, the one that's got a good response from the audience was, uh, is a cat walking backwards yes, scary? That's the one I wrote down, <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> and, yeah, the other ones were, you know, like, does a donkey have a 12-inch long? You know, is an eight ass hairy? Does an elephant have a huge crack? <laughs> <laughs> And I love the bit at the end, going to have to cut you off now. Yes, well, I'm used to that. 
The show was on at uh, 8.30 on a Thursday night, and in previous weeks, um, as the muckrakers acknowledged, uh, there was Sex with Sophie Lee, uh, we had the L special. The week before Naughtiest Home Videos, there was Diana, Tears of a Princess, uh, which I'd say was probably linked to the latest scandal that had happened to do with phone tapping from memory. Yeah. Uh, scheduled after Naughtiest Home Videos, um, Cheers was actually scheduled for 9.30, uh, followed by Nightline at 10.30, so I don't know whether the premature cancellation of uh, Naughtiest Home Videos meant that Cheers was brought forward or whether they slipped in another episode or anything like that. I wonder if that means that Nightline had to stretch and fill all the time in. <laughs> that would have been a funny episode. <laughs> well, they, they told the news really slowly. Yeah. <laughs> Kerry Packer called up and said... Well, according to the report in the Sydney Morning Herald by Robin Oliver, uh, quote, take that show off the air at once is one version of what Mr. Packer is said to have told the station, unquote. Now, uh, it was either take that shit off the air or (laughs) take that effing shit off the air. (laughs) Now, it turns out that there's a bit of behind-the-scenes info which came out last week, actually, on the website uh, TV Tonight. Uh, He interviewed Richard Lyle. Um, talking about his 50 years working at TCM9. They've just vacated their original studios at Willoughby. Richard did mention that Kerry Packer had his own hotline to TCM9, a red phone that staff uh, kept on alert. Quote, the first thing you were told, if that phone rings, somebody has to answer it within three rings. If he had Mm -hmm. the slightest complaint, it was escalated. If the phone hadn't been picked up within the first three rings... Richard Lyle credits the calmness of Channel 9's Helen Cashman, who took the call. Quote, to her credit, she always said he was perfectly polite on the phone. He just wanted that show gone. She said, the next day I got the most enormous bouquet of flowers I've ever seen in my life. So, I don't know, somewhere between all those different accounts is the truth. But, um, yeah, I think take that shit off the air. That's the one that, that, that does it for me. There's, uh, I'm just reading through some of the letters to the Green Guide or whatever they call it for the Sydney Morning Herald. If, as reported, Kerry Packer pulled the plug on Doug Moray's filthiest home videos, he has earned a heartfelt thanks from a decent-minded Aussie. I hope that Ray Martin has got the message. I do not want to see Doug Moray ever again on the midday show. Thanks, Ray. And that was from Paddy <laughs> Cullen of North Strathfield. I was always um, under the probably very false impression that it was just a big um, stunt, you know, like it was a shitty show and then they pulled it off air halfway through and made a big hullabaloo about it. But, like, that was their intention all along to just, Mm. you know, whip up this frenzy of outrage. I think it was a week shy of 16 years uh, when it did um, show up uh, in 2008. And, yeah, it was introduced by Bert Newton. Probably not his finest hour there. Doug Murray didn't want to have anything to do with the uh, the revival. I was just wondering um, if we could maybe put this to our listeners. If you were Kerry Packer for the day, what TV show, past, present or future, would you want taken right off the air? I'd, I would be really surprised as to what our listeners would say. Alan Jones Live. <laughs> <laughs> maybe this is something we could... Um, read out on next uh, the next episode shoot us an email champagne late show at gmail.com or send us a tweet at tls champagne we can go from there i'm going to go for how those versus virus which um i 
I obtained via the internet. And my goodness, what a what a program that is! <laughs> I must I must admit, I've I've got that saved on my DVR. That that and the other program, um, which is after it on Seven Mate, regular old Bogan. I, I haven't watched any of them. The Bogan one's all right. The the um, Houses versus Virus is is probably one of the worst programs I've seen for a long time. So enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the next segment being the first episode and first appearance of Shirty the Slightly Aggressive Bear. Yes. And they're celebrating finger painting week and they have little Toby and he's joined by Jane and Shirty, which Toby is fascinated with Shirty's fur. And yeah, so that's much so, so unnatural, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> so weird. much so. Uh, he's, sort of, he's sort of touching up Shirty uh, <laughs> slash, well, it's the... It's the old panda costume from was it Advent- Adventure, Adventure Island? Island. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And Shirty proceeds to, oh no, Toby fell and had an accident. Do we think it's Rob in the costume? Is that something that was revealed to us one yeah, time? There was a there's a rumor, or neither oh, confirmed nor denied, I think. And there's that running joke, you know, Russell Crowe down the track, but that was mainly yeah. around Romper Stomper era. It's very Rob-esque, the movements and <laughs> comedy. You've studied him closely. Yeah. <laughs> but also, can we talk about the insane skivvy that Jane is wearing? Yeah. <laughs> like and the, the costuming for her is just hilarious. Same with the dodgy wig. Oh, yeah. And like the <laughs> oh, pancake wow. makeup, it's just all over. Yeah. It's like a really cheap cross between Brooke Vandenberg and Sia. <laughs> That's a fantastic comparison. The next segment, Rob, Tommy G, and Santo are on the couch, and they, you know, Rob starts taking the piss out of Santo, uh, saying Santo has combed his hair out of respect of their political heroes, former South Australia Premier John Bannon. They were still somewhat dressed up from the Father's Day sketch. I like the line that represents the pissiest thing we've ever done on this show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like John Bannon. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and they say they say he uh, he was the Premier of South Australia. They say he resigned slash might have been pushed. Um, I haven't done too much research about this, but this would have been over this would have been over the collapse of the State Bank of South Australia, yeah. uh, which happened in 1991. Yeah, I mean, up until that point, he'd been a hugely popular premier, and he'd been—he was premier for nine years. And I remember he hugely yeah. popular guy, and yeah, the state bank thing that yeah, just killed him. Somewhat like uh, from the first or second episode of the Champagne Comedy Podcast, when we we're talking about interest rates and <laughs> yeah, and so on. <laughs> But well, I, th- I feel like the interest rates discussion has been the most divisive and, and most commented on ever. Yeah, <laughs> all right. It was really wrong. Now, Tommy points out that, that after it's taken eight weeks, but letters have finally been coming in, and Sharon, Karen, and Gary of Fairfield have a serious complaint. During previous shows, they've noticed the appearance of several offensive articles of clothing in the form of white skivvies. <laughs> Skivvy talk, just like what Jane would <laughs> during Shirley. <laughs> and this is even before yeah. the Sharp parody, so this is even brilliant. Evidence, they show a little footage of Rob wearing a white skivvy during the album cover redos from a previous episode. Uh, Tommy G wearing a skivvy during the news desk. And Santo wearing a black skivvy during commercial crime stoppers. The thing is, black skivvies are cool, but white aren't, apparently. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Santo was cool. But it's nice to know they actually acknowledge that white skivvies were hideous. 
Yeah. <laughs> and they showed a... The problem with white skivvies is that they, they would often not be thick enough to, to hide what was underneath. And so, you know, you'd, you'd kind of see people's nipples through them. and, and <laughs> yeah. or, or if people didn't bleach them, they, they would get stained and, and yellowed quite quickly. So, um, yeah, I think black skivvies were a good idea for lots of reasons. Well, Sharon, Karen and Gary of Fairfield were in for a world of pain for future episodes. <laughs> I, I, lo- I love I love I love the, the, those three names right there. Sharon, Karen and Gary. It sounds like a it sounds like the next Today FM breakfast food. <laughs> <laughs> Very nineteen seventies names. Shazza, Sharon. Kaza and Gary. And they and the, they submitted a video of a 1960s clip called The Champions and where they were showing skivvies. But I love um, Tom's comment. We may have worn white skivvies, but none of us has suffered from that kind of testicular confinement. It's this sort of weird clip that they, they picked out of The Champions as well because it's sort of like one person who looks like they might have just been brainwashed getting out of a dentist chair and lining <laughs> up next to three other white skivvied automatons. Yeah. Yeah. And you can tell that this whole uh, ruse of some trio from, where were they from? Fairfield. Fairfield. Uh, you, reckon, you reckon they're not real? Absolutely. It's got to be like Rob or Tom or Santo's tape of the champions. They would have been loving that I reckon, stuff. I reckon Tony. I reckon Tony would be the champion. <laughs> yeah. Prove us wrong, Sharon, Karen and Gary. Get in touch with us. Now it's time for Countdown Classics with Tom and Jane. And the topic is the telephone. And they start playing the samples of each song, such as ELO, Telephone Line, Stevie Wonder, I Just Called to Say I Love You, City Boy 5705, uh, and everyone's favourite, Jenny 8675389999. Tommy Two Tone. Yep, <laughs> Tommy Two Tone, yes. And so Tom and Jane call the number and quote, Jenny answers, unquote. And as well, uh, Paul Evans, hello, this is Joni, the answering machine. Sorry, open brackets, the answering machine song, close brackets. Have to get that right. I love I love this whole thing with the, the prank call that you just said mm. that they did and then they heard someone answer it and they freaked out and they hung up. Yeah. That is exactly, <laughs> exactly how it went in the 90s. That you would, you'd think, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll do prank calls and then someone... Someone's grandma would answer the phone. You'd go, "Don't worry, boss." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, I think we've all done that. And they didn't really have a caller ID back then, so you couldn't tell who no. was prank calling you. And they also played "Abba Ring Ring," where they start doing a dancing rendition in front of the screen, and they freak out when Bjorn's face comes up on the screen. <laughs> but also, there was an unnecessary warning from Tommy G about um, Frida in the snake suit bodysuit, snake skin bodysuit. I thought, oh, come on, she looks awesome. Like, yeah. You don't need to warn us about Frida. She looks great. There's also a line uh, in this uh, Countdown Classics that I like that comes from uh, Jane, uh, which I, I, I had to transcribe. Uh, she says, quote, all right, now, Tommy, speaking of putting your legs together, do you yeah. remember that girl who you used to go out with ages ago? <laughs> Yeah, I love the way they addressed his uh, man spread on the on yeah. the beanbag. They'd obviously got feedback about that one. <laughs> <laughs> so the next segment is Piss Week World Fun Park, and that's I'll just go straight through the list here of Piss Week World Fun Park. 
We have travel on a real golf buggy. Dodgems, which are wheelbarrows. Get dizzy on the spin around. And, or basically spin around, sorry. Uh, ride on the rotor, which is a hill's hoist. The hall of mirrors, which is just one body length mirror. Roll down the slope, which is just that a slope. Was the in the, that was the best one, yeah. <laughs> just a steep backyard. Mini golf, putt putt on a blanket, which was on the slope. And test your aim, which is empty booze bottles behind the fly screen. Yeah, I love the piss weak kids on the hills voice, the way they kick Tommy G in the back. great inspiration um for lockdown this year (laughs) you should recreate your holidays and roll down the parks now we have mick and tony presenting the first segment of sink the slipper another premiere yeah so who would mick like to boot up the ass paul keating Mm. pat cash perhaps fergie and paul grabowski with two boots. Yep, two boots. Yeah. <laughs> and a little fat kid from Hey Dad, perhaps. But the one person that they got is the ass of Bruce Ruxton. Yay. The reason, because, Yay. The reasoning, because Bruce released this rap single. I like Australia for Australian. I can't understand this thing. My name is Bruce Ruxton, and I'll say just what I think. That's legit, oh. and that's the only part that we're going to play from it. Yeah. 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 Oh, the full version of this is available on YouTube if you want to look it up, but um, listening to it, it does feel somewhat like you're listening to a hate crime. It, it is <laughs> it's, it's pretty offensive, I would say. I found it shocking that he was wearing a Triple M jacket, actually. Did you yeah, that in the Triple M clip? bomber jacket, I was a, wondering a, a James Kennedy on Kennedy Malloy. I, I was wondering if maybe this was they – you know, the Triple M Breakfast Show or something had maybe got him to do this rap because I couldn't think of any reason why Bruce Ruxton would suddenly do a rap song. It it felt like maybe Triple M had kind of dared him to do it or something. And, you know, I also can't imagine why he'd be wearing a Triple M bomber jacket for any other reason other than he's doing it as a promotion for the station, you know? Okay, mm. I, can, I can answer a little bit about why this rap came about. Um, okay. The rap song was made to raise money to restore the Shrine of Remembrance in Melbourne. <laughs> right. Yeah, like at the at the time, uh, in fact, until two thousand and two, uh, he was the chairman of the Victorian RSL. Honestly, we uh, I don't know whether to tweet that one out or not. But if you simply YouTube Bruce Ruxton rap, you'll find it pretty easily and have a listen to the it. The whole thing. Yeah. The whole thing there. Yep. So just, yeah, there's, there's a line in it which is where he talks about how how he's doing the techno Ruxton rap. And I'm thinking, hang on, that's two entirely different music genres, you know. So it's it's a really, it's a very, very weird song. I can't imagine who would have bought it. Well, I feel mixed about it now because the uh, Shrine of Remembrance certainly got its upgrade and it's a very fancy place to visit now, so... Yeah. Well, the, the, the article that I've got um, is from the Sydney Morning Herald Stay in Touch column. It goes, we warned you some weeks ago that Bruce Ruxton, chairman of the Victorian RSL, was threatening to put out a rap song to raise money to restore the Shrine of Remembrance in Melbourne. But you probably thought it was a flight of fantasy. Not a bit of it. Not only do we have photographs of Bruce when he recorded the video recently in somewhat uncharacteristic garb, although he did manage to keep his suit on, we also have the full lyrics of the song put together by a Melbourne comic called Vladimir Green. They maintain the tradition of all serious rap artists of being thoroughly offensive. 
to Paul Keating, the Japanese, the new flag lobby, at least one state premier and Asians in general, uh, and perhaps some others we missed, we give you a verse of the Ruxton techno rap, although we had to skip the final chorus, which sums it up. If you want to be unpatriotic, you had better look over your shoulder because here comes Uncle Bruce to crush you like a boulder. The embarrassed man who supplied those lyrics asked us to tell you that this gem can be heard if you dial this 0055 number at $1.40 for a two-minute call. Or you, could hold your, or you could hold your breath until around September 17 when it emerges Ritz and Public Outcry permitting on CD. Oh, wow. <laughs> so there Double you go, a, a, glowing, a glowing endorsement from the SMH. Well, it's not a good rap song. I'll I'll give them that. They are they are absolutely right. It's a bad bad song. Yeah, there were some hilarious hilarious lines in Sink the Slipper. Can we just take a moment to exult in them? So I've yes. got um, boot up the poot shoot, and <laughs> they're all going to cop one up the dung funnel. <laughs> that was my favourite. All, all of those synonyms, they're just gold. And I believe, I can't remember where I heard it from, but the person who represented the arse was usually Santo. <laughs> really? Oh, wow. Like had a yep. pillow up there. But yeah, the, You could see there's some padding, some butt-shaped padding um, <laughs> on the arse in question. Although I, I don't think it would have done uh, had uh, any protection against that first kick from Mick, which was really hard, and you could really oh, hear the ooh from the audience at that <laughs> swift kick up the date. Mick was really going for it. Tony was mainly hitting the sideboard. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of people out there just begging for a swift hard one to the back door. <laughs> <laughs> the Bruce Ruxton analog cops it for... The single for the video for being a hopeless parody of himself, for his shonky comb over, um, mm. for being an old bastard that everyone hates. He's certainly not the last <laughs> one. And uh, most offensively, for the Bruce Rump character. Yeah. <laughs> from, uh, they mentioned Fast Forward, but it originated in Australia. You're standing in it. Oh, yeah. Jane just says, I feel kind of warm and fuzzy after that segment. Watching <laughs> Bruce get yeah, the yeah. slipper sunk into him. The next segment is Toilet Break with Jane and the Natural Seven with Son of a Preacher Man. Somebody wake Jane's up, Ross Warnicky. Warnicky. There we go. He's awake. So yeah, some some great choreography in this one. Actually, it's quite. I do, I didn't mind this uh, this performance yeah. in the Natural Seven. To be honest. I was really yeah. into this. It was like a very groovy number. I think sometimes the Natural Seven sort of flex their Tony Bartuccio stylings. You know, they really go to town on the dance. You know, it's really out there, and you can't help but love it. And you sort of see all those references in, like Jane Turner and um, Glenn Robbins, their style of dancing. That just super daggy, but loving it. <laughs> I love the bell bottoms, you know, the bell bottom trousers and the bell bottom sleeves. And, and every time they do their choreography, the costumes move beautifully with them. And, and I, yeah, I kind of have a sneaking admiration for the natural seven when they do this kind of thing. Yes. Uh, the, the, the other thing I like is just the, yeah, that cross up there every now and again uh, in the cover of Son of a Preacher Man. It's, it's always reminded me of the, yeah, from the olden days. <laughs> there's, a, there's, a, there's a lot of shouting, yeah, 
but not good lord. That's another, <laughs> that's something else. <laughs> the next segment is Travel Talk with Jane Kennedy, and we have Jeff and Terry Bailey back again for the launch of Jeff and Terry's Global Air, running off the back of Compass Airlines relaunch. Fifty bucks. Fifty bucks. Fifty bucks. Fifty bucks. Fifty bucks. Fifty bucks. It just seems impossible to run. Yeah. That that pretty much sums up. Fifty bucks. Yep. Nice game. They'd really rehearsed that, hadn't they? They'd really got the timing perfect on on that bit of the script. Great. That's really it to say about that segment, to be honest. The $50 answers that (laughs) covers it all. I think what I like is that you can hear all of this sort of uncontrollable laughter from the audience uh, during Jane's very straight straight introduction uh, as they see Jeff and Terry in their their pilot's uh, suits and and hats and all the rest of it. The audience knows that it's it's just going to to fall to shit in a glorious way. Yeah, I've (laughs) got... I've got written here a genius shambles. Because <laughs> yeah. it's like you know how you said it was rehearsed. I I think it was rehearsed only maybe once because it, it does yeah. feel a little bit yeah. scary. Like you know, I love the way Jane looks. Oh, hang on, maybe I'm confusing it with the other episode. Cussing Remember home? when she looked over her? Yeah, she looked over her shoulder. Said, "What's the name of this show?" <laughs> I love that. <laughs> but, yeah, that was the other episode. There's some really, really well timed stuff in this sketch, though. Like you know, Jane, Jane asks you know if they can show their certification as pilots, and and, and he, Santo gets up and he, he empties out his pocket, and then there's a handgun there, and he quickly puts that away, <laughs> <laughs> and. It's yeah, it's really good. Then it's revealed that um, they trained at Fun Zone, um, so <laughs> Fun Zone Academy. Yeah, Fun Zone. Yeah, so there's there's loads of stuff in this sketch. It, it it's brilliantly written. Yeah, and I almost forgot about the, the thirty two bucks. If you're a pilot, you you have to yeah. fly your own plane. <laughs> and yeah, it all it all wonderfully predates the the era of of cheap airlines. So yeah, you know, you your Jet Stars, your EasyJet, your Ryanair. Where, you know, it's just it's as cheap as fifty bucks. But um, yeah, if you want um, bag of chicks, uh, chicks. <laughs> if you want a bag of chips, that's really expensive. The bag of chips. Yeah. But there, there was the complimentary Playboy, so you kind of did get some chicks on your plane. <laughs> the line that said, "That's sarcasm. We don't need to be on this show." <laughs> well, they've got a regular slot on the investigators, so. <laughs> the next segment is a little promo, which is a special announcement for the ABC. The Spaz family uh, won't be shown. Or was it going to be shown just delayed? But it was delayed. Yeah. It was in a few It was weeks moving to a different time because of uh, Stomping Stomp Ground. Ground. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What is this running joke? Because it was in another episode last week or something, wasn't it? Starts it starts all the way back to, I think, the first or second episode, and it's always just a uh, that one image, and mm. I think it's Tony's little thing of just making... Filler. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I, I think, I think, I think it was, it was just come up... Covers. Yeah. The, the yeah. images from one of the album covers that they show early, and then, yeah, he just sort of reimagines this album cover as a family sitcom about a family of piano accordion accordionists with the surname Spaz, which, which by the way, is a real um, uh, surname from, from Europe somewhere. <laughs> oh, dear. 
Wow. I'm not sure they spas, though, probably. They probably, yeah, probably spas. spas. Yeah. Spas. <laughs> well, Marjorie fights with Dennis, and Norm is finally coming to terms with the declining popularity of the piano accordion. <laughs> and now we have Tony addressing the audience, and the topic is Father's Day. So he talks about his father, who claims he's a bit of a quote after dinner speaker, unquote. Some after dinner speaker. Yes, <laughs> in that tone, yeah. And Tony's grandfather, who is turning 70, or in 1992, uh, shows off the fashion of a 70-year-old, which is a beige jacket, brown slacks, shonky hat, and brown shoes. I like the way uh, men in white coats will come around, take all of your clothes, and just leave the beige gear. Because he was quite a well-dressed man beforehand. It's just the moment he turned 70 when it all went beige. Oh, God, we've all got that to look forward to, you guys. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, so how many how, how many more years till I'm 70 is probably the, the amount of years um, from when the late show first aired. <laughs> Isn't that right? Hmm, that's a bit scary. Yeah, so I only, I only know that <coughs> years, yes. <laughs> I, I think we should all buck the trend and, and in our 70s we should all dress like the natural seven. Oh, done. done. <laughs> very, so, very so. easily done. Yeah, stylish. Bell bottoms, silky tops, have a great time. Riding a heat wave, yes. Yeah. Who's with us? Yeah! Well, we have commercial crime stoppers with Mick and Santo, and it's ladies' edition. So you have (laughs) a couple of commercials. Yes, there we go. Are you feeling hot and flustered? Oh, yes, that's that's for later on. (laughs) Pretty pretty amazing. Oh, yeah. We'll get to that shortly. (laughs) So we have the first commercial is a weight loss centre with ugly cellulite, and Santo looks up orange peel thighs in the medical dictionary. I don't think you said that phrase ugly cellulite in, in as menacing a way as the, the voiceover in, in the original commercial because it's sort of like ugly cellulite. Um, yeah, there we go. <laughs> ugly, ugly cellulite. It's sort of like it makes it sound like a serial killer. But other than love handles, bar jars and wobble bottom <laughs> doesn't exist yeah. in, the me- yeah, in the medical encyclopedia not dictionary. My apologies. <laughs> Yes, I have here um, Dolly magazine from 1992, and I was trying to find, I think cellulite was probably for slightly older um, ladies rather than teenagers, but even in this magazine um, there is an ad for the um, Clarins products, which are also aimed to target cellulite. So even back then, impressionable teenagers were basically being body shamed and to think think that their cellulite is is really bad. So... Yes. Yeah. So while you're in the shower, you can try Claren's unique multi-mass mitt to duplicate expert massage movements. That's the equivalent of that brush that they had in the ad there. And another product for dimpling or sponginess, also called cellulite, on the body is Claren's body shaping gel. Apply it night or day to problem areas like hips, thighs, tummy, and even arms. And then they talk about firming up your bust line, which is in a magazine for, you know, 13 to 17-year-olds, um, which Jeez. is, yeah. So this was an advertorial. It would have. It was an advertorial, so it would have had, you know, people. An editor would have looked over that as well. So that's a bit disturbing. But generally, I, I found that magazine was was quite had body positive. But then this, then I saw ads like that and thinking, um, actually, no, maybe my idea of it was um, tainted somewhat. Back then, yeah. hmm. cut to thirty years later when we have actual problems with our weight, like, yeah. Yeah. not just imaginary cellulite. <laughs> 
Mm. I gotta say, isn't it great being a man match? Like, we don't have to worry about orange <laughs> peel thighs or ugly uh, yeah. cellulite or. The struggle is real, Daniel. <laughs> well, the other commercial that they played was the another weight loss center ad, but this one is purely just for this. I've lost 30 kilos in <laughs> That pause. But I did think about. What happens if that commercial was played on Channel 9 because any tiny little gap would result in a bit of a commercial or a little bit of filler. It's a waste of time. So this is what I think would sound like on Channel 9. I've lost! We apologise for this interruption. (laughs) Unfortunately, a technical problem prevents us continuing our scheduled programme for the moment. In the meantime, we bring your brief alternative programme. 30 kilos (laughs) (laughs) And the other one, which was Everstall Furniture, offering the shirt off their back, literally. And this is where they set the ladies swooning over the TV with Mick and Santa <laughs> ripping off their T-shirts. Hubba bubba. He's quite hairy, yes. that man, in the commercial. He, he has an awful lot of chest hair. He really does look like Warwick Kappa, though. Yeah. <laughs> like Santa <laughs> Except Warwick Kappa would never have had that amount of chest hair. Warwick would have got it waxed off. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, it's it's a, a wonder that it managed to be on air at all. Really, I mean, I don't know whether they had that sort of uh, had this sort of thing around in 1992. But these days, if you want to get your ad on Australian TV, it does have to be approved for broadcast. Well, I would have approved it. So <laughs> <laughs> approved, yeah. I have said, please get your chest waxed, but you know that's just me. Oh, it was very risque, though, wasn't it? He really was, was nude with just a pillow in front of him. <laughs> the next uh, segment is Tommy G and Charlie, who's in the studio because Ellie was getting was it was Ellie, wasn't it? The girl, the other dog, yeah, yeah, yeah. who was uh, who, who was in last episode? Yeah, um, too much screen time. Uh, yeah. So and then Charlie runs a muck in the ABC studios, such as running through Couchman, Phoenix, and Seven Thirty Report. And all this is on Mary the Delahunty. Except for the subliminal messaging uh, little bit, you know, that's featured in the best bits. Yeah, there's like yeah. one or two frames. I forget what it says, but it's something like... And it had like uh, Sophie Lee's uh, boyfriend at the time, Gumpy. Yeah. Yeah. That was from that episode as well. So it was something if you want to speak out against uh, subliminal messaging, write to this address. <laughs> and it's like a quick little note. Watch the DVD and then freeze frame it. You'll see what I mean. Yeah. Yeah, because they referenced Gumpy when they were talking about Sophie Lee earlier in the show. Mm. In, in, in Muckraking, yeah. So how's yeah. that for an Easter Easter egg? Wow. Yeah, he goes, if you go up those stairs, you're going to lose your knackers. <laughs> <laughs> he seems obsessed with threatening his dogs with the vet. <laughs> well, talking about threats or that the sketch straight after it was special pet funerals. So that's a bit awkward to place oh. it straight afterwards. Uh, Do you yes. know, this is like one of the darkest things I think they've ever done. Uh. <laughs> Don't you reckon? Yeah, yeah. It, it's very dark. I, I, I like the fact that they, they've got the comedy squash cat, but they, they've gone for the most ridiculous ping pong eyes possible because, <laughs> you know, they, they obviously couldn't show like a real squashed cat, so they have to they have to make it look as fake and, and comedy as possible. Yeah, and the ping pong guys, I think, are absolute genius in this. <laughs> it's a really funny bit in it, actually. It's like when they throw the 
bag that's got a brick mm. tied to it into the yeah. uh, the puddle, basically. It's like <laughs> it's obviously the shallowest water because it doesn't sink at all. It just sits on the top. <laughs> yeah, then, the, the hand up there is just an old ice cream container. Mm. <laughs> and the, and then, the most sinister line of it all is at the end when they say, and remember, they don't just handle cats and dogs. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the elephant. Like, like maybe we might handle grandma as well. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! And yeah, it's it's just it's this magnificent property. It's sort of four elephant-looking limbs under a sticking out from under a sheet <laughs> on, the, the, on the back of, back of a truck. Yeah. After this sketch up was Graham and the Colonel, and they were digging their way <laughs> to the studio. Make building their own harbour tunnel, Sydney Harbour Tunnel, from their dressing room, which was a lot of prop in this one, a lot of dirt flinging. <laughs> so they, got, they got a big kick out of this, and so did the audience. So they're talking about Paralympics being underway, and the Colonel uh, saying that disabled car park, <laughs> disabled car parks would be a premium. <laughs> I don't know how much I should actually read of this because this is one of the worst. Yeah, very sensitive, <laughs> Graham and the Colonel. On at now at this time anyway. Such I, think as... when he's, when, I think when Sanjay says he's he was going to put his cans in the incinerator, and then Rob says, "I think you better put your script in there too." It's pretty <laughs> fitting. I do agree with that. I wrote that down. Like that's yeah. Yes, there was a lot of cringe worthies and ugh's from the crowd. Yeah. Oh come on, come on! I enjoyed the uh, Amigos Paralympials. Uh, um, Paraplegicos. <laughs> Paraplegic, yeah, sorry, I can't pronounce it at all. Uh, Amigos Paraplegicos was the, <laughs> the opening song. That, come on, that's a good joke. Well, I spoke about uh, world news being the Australian toxic waste ship brought up again. Couldn't unload the waste in Europe because they tried to put it out on a Tuesday when toxic waste day was Thursday. So that was really funny. <laughs> <laughs> We get more stomping ground minstrels in this, but they sort of oh, clarify. Yeah. The jokes. They clarify the joke slightly, to be fair to them, and they say, "Well, this is stomping ground 1958," and and they show the minstrel footage, so we can we can see what they're getting here, but it, it still doesn't go down very well with the audience or, or with me personally. Well, I when I I watched that clip a couple of times, and even though they had a slight bit of American accent, I noticed that one the. The one that was telling the story or the joke, pretty much the punchline about the game called Kiss the String. Yes, you know about <laughs> chewing, right? Yeah, uh, that I believe, and I'm happy to be corrected. I think that was Sid Halen from Ooh. the TV show from the 1950s TV show uh, Sunny Side Up. So there's a few episodes on YouTube, but I don't think that one is because I actually was trying to find it the other day. Sid Halen at the time, who's Cookie from a country practice. Uh, yeah, he was an entertainer, vaudeville and all that, kind of like what, what Lucky Grills was back in the day. Watch it again and tell me if that's not Sid Halen. Yeah, that routine was Australian. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, you yeah. can tell that it was Australians doing what they thought was. Well, mm, yeah, I if, don't you, know. if you YouTube Sunny Side Up and watch an episode or two, then you'll go, oh, yeah, that looks like it it's like that pretty style. similar yeah and you know what yeah. then the next bit with um all these jokes about the colonel's wife oh, that yeah. was really dodgy too like she won't allow me to sleep with her you know oh didn't you meet your uh wife at school colonel yeah uh, i was in grade six and she was the lollipop lady <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, and what, what about the other one where they were struggling to have kids or something like that and it was because that he sleeps in a different room and she doesn't want him to be the father? Yeah. It's, I mean, yeah. really, what were they on that night? Yeah, entered on that very weird gag there about uh, yeah, kissing the string. I mean, if you take all of the minstrel stuff away from it, it's a very shithouse gag, really. Product of its time, you do yeah, a little yeah, soundbite for that next episode. Yeah, done. That's two things I've got to do. Products of its time. All right, it's going up against the Warnickies and Fidgens. <laughs> We're doing too many of these stings. We've got too many now. <laughs> so uh, and yeah, now we've got the closing, which is Bert Newton artwork and getting audience or viewers from home to send in their own pieces of uh, Burt Newton art, basically his giant head. And worst album covers, you have David Gray, Something Old, Something New, Channel 9 New Faces, Discoveries, which they find odd because it's just a camera with no one's in front of it, the Screamer compilation, which is yeah, just a classic, really... that one. Yep. And Sherl, It's All Rock and Roll to Me. So, yeah, it was pretty average album covers, which I'll track down and put them on our TLS Champagne account. And but yeah, they were they were they were up against time, and they they had to get out to uh, to get to the live uh, yeah. stomp and ground from uh, stomp and ground stomp and from, ground. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you could see the yeah, floor manager actually, doing a countdown. Yeah, you can see Annie Maver counting down. Yeah, and then you have the audience tickets after the closing, uh, which yeah, Graham and the Colonel throw mainly the Colonel throwing dirt at Graham, <laughs> <laughs> and then Graham having to remove uh, his uh, hairpiece. Yes, I guess that. Well, that wraps up that episode. And now I've actually, I do have a giveaway. So hopefully this encourages people to submit their favorite quote or do their own impression of a quote from the late show. So far, we have four entries. Hooray. Hey. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, I, I, it's like out of our 10 listeners, four, that's pretty good. Yeah. And that's including us. <laughs> yeah, any marketing person would be happy with that conversion so rate. I, <laughs> well, I was, I, I was kind of saying that I did have an album, the used album of uh, Ripper, the giveaway, but I actually found something, uh, quote, decent, unquote, which is uh, the – I'll shake it in front of the microphone. Uh, any questions for Ben, DVD, unopened. So let me save you a trip to the bargain bin and $5. There we go. Yeah. In fact, the postage is worth more than this DVD. <laughs> there we go. You think, you think you're getting some bargains in the Black Friday sales? This is just in exchange for uh, sending us your favourite Late Show line. Yes, indeed. <laughs> you can watch uh, pretty much a story that's based loosely on Rob Sitch's early life uh, in his 20s, I believe, and you get to see Ed Cavalier in peroxide hair. So, <laughs> uh, oh, And Rob's also in it, you know, because he'll be in the newsletter. See, there's a quote from it. So these are a summary so far of what has been submitted. You have listener Lance. I made love to her like a tiger, like a tiger. Sebastian. <laughs> uh, G'day from uh, Dominic. How are you? No miss, mister. Hey. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, do you believe in mental telepathy? No, I hear you think. And we have a new one from Daniel Hopmans. You can say what you want about me. I may be ugly, but at least I'll never be. 
Oh, I love that one. Yeah, so, it's, so, like, it's, 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 it's a least here from the uh, crash test dummies. <laughs> oh. mm-hmm. Doing a Migos Paris Siempre. Yeah, I just want to congratulate all four of them. <laughs> it does take guts to do something like that. So, especially on a podcast. Yeah, so uh, all four of you are up for <laughs> to win this DVD. It's, it's sealed. Too. The, bar, the bar has been set. Yes. Whether it's been set high or low is um, uh, up to your opinion. Yeah, I was <laughs> going to do something with it for the last episode of the year, but you know what? I'm going to do it to the entire season. So once we get to episode 20 of the season one, so therefore you got more entries. And if you're lucky, and if I find some money as well, I might add some more to the prize pool. So... Yeah. So, so that's so okay. I'll, I'll throw in that record. So you got the Ripper, which is uh, a pre-loved bit of vinyl, and any questions for Ben? Uh, loved, but unopened. So it's just been so sitting it's a, on the an shelf. An op shop glad bag. Yes. So all you need to do is send your best impression or best or worst, whatever way you want to do it, at uh, to our email address champagnelateshow at gmail dot com. But if you're unsure on how to send it. Uh, just send us a tweet at TLS Champagne. All you need to do is record it on your phone as a voice memo um, or whatever recording de- device you have. If it's on YouTube, I can always get the audio from there as well. Send it to us and then we'll put you in the entry for that. And, yeah, I will promise I will build up the prize pool, okay? So we have <laughs> until, I guess, episode 20, which <laughs> we've got another 12 episodes to go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I hope some women will enter this because I, I'm disappointed at the lack of female contributions so mm. far. There must be some funny lines from uh, Jane or Judith that, that people could contribute. So, you know, come on, ladies, let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. Even if yeah. it's all, yeah. I've lost. Yeah. <laughs> not Mr. Miss. We want not Mr. We want Miss. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You're shocking because oh, you're not young. Yeah. <laughs> and even something about oh, discussing the oh the bus trip to barrel as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> bus trip to barrel. Yeah, there's plenty of them. So yeah, yeah. please shoot us an email, champagnelateshow at gmail dot com, and can go from there. So they can even record it on a cassette and post it in if they want. And, and speaking <laughs> of cassettes, we can talk about the um, the archives. Yes, congratulations to Tony and Mick. Uh, entering Martin Malloy into the Sounds of Australia archive for the National Film and Sound Archive. So, yay. yay! Well done. So a lot of their stuff is now preserved. It's mainly Tony's audio cassette tapes because Mick really didn't keep anything. I guess uh, make sure you keep subscribing to us because uh, we'll have episode nine in a couple of weeks' time. But by the time you listen to this, you'll probably already have downloaded the next episode and that will probably be our last one for 2020 and then we go on a break because we yep. all have lives to live as well. Do so, we? Yeah. <laughs> do, do we? No, we do. Well, <laughs> I have no life. Yeah. Well, pro- probably when we get back after that, you'll probably still be in lockdown, Alison. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be in lockdown until everyone's had the vaccine, I think. We'll be back for episode nine, for the final one for 2020, and then we'll be back uh, early in January for episode 10 and so forth. So, yeah, thanks for listening. Catch you later. See ya. See ya. Bye.
Thank you for listening to the Champagne Comedy Podcast, created by fans for the fans. For more information on this podcast, please visit champagnecomedy.com. Produced by Matt Fulton Productions, mattfulton.com.au.